0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, September 20th. This is your FT News Briefing. Instacart had a solid debut on the public market and oil prices reached $95 a barrel. Plus, India and Canada's relationship hit a really rough patch this week.
1: Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty.
0: I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Instacart listed on the NASDAQ yesterday, and shares went up 40% shortly after trading. But things cooled down after that. Shares ended the day up more than 10%, so still high but significantly lower than the initial pop. This is less than a week after the chip designer ARMS IPO. That stock rose 25% on its first day of trading. Next up is Klaviyo, the market automation company is expected to disclose its IPO pricing on Thursday and raise more than $500 million. Oil prices are on a roll. Brent crude hit $95 a barrel yesterday, and West Texas Intermediate rose above $90 last week. Here to talk to us about this is the FT's U.S. Energy Editor, Jamie Smith. He was most recently our U.S. Pharmaceuticals correspondent. Congrats on the new gig, Jamie. Oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, great to be here. So, Jamie, what is causing oil prices to rise so rapidly?
2: Well, there's really two fundamental reasons that the price of oil is rising demand is much better than expected. So, you know, coming into this year, people were thinking that the global economy was having a few problems, but it's actually performed much better than expected. And we're seeing that people are traveling a lot. So the use of jet fuel and jet fuel demand has really risen this year. So these factors have driven record oil demand in 2023. Uh, And the other fundamental reason that the prices are rising is that You know, we've got tight supply against this backdrop of of higher than expected demand. We've had this concerted move by Saudi Arabia and Russia to restrict supply in the market. So they've been removing more than a million barrels of oil a day from production. So, you know, about uh, 10, 12 days ago, Saudi Arabia and Russia indicated that they were going to continue these supply restrictions until the end of the year.
0: Jimmy, put $95 a barrel into context for us. I mean, what does that look like at the pump for consumers, and could it get worse?
2: Well, here in the U.S., you've really seen a surge in petrol prices. So the price of a gallon of petrol has gone up to $3.88, If you think about diesel, which is really an important fuel for freight, agriculture, and other industries, that's gone up almost a fifth in the past three months. So these increases in fuel prices really impact the economy. And whenever oil prices go up, that really stokes a rise in inflation. Most analysts think we're going to get to $100 oil very shortly.
0: And what exactly does $100 a barrel signify?
2: So $100 oil has always been like this magical sort of figure that you hit within the industry and it certainly provokes concerns that it's going to tip economies into recession and really dent economic growth. One thing to remember now is that we have had a lot of inflation over the last, you know, couple of years. So some experts and analysts would say that, you know, $100 oil isn't quite as hard hitting as it used to be. And the the Saudis, for example, would used to say, you know, $60 oil maybe a decade ago, you know, was the level that they would like to hit. But with these inflationary pressures over recent years, perhaps we're getting to a stage where $100 is going to be a much more common occurrence.
0: Jamie Smith is the FT's U.S. Energy Editor. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Mark. Justin Trudeau dropped a bombshell accusation this week.
1: Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen.
0: The Canadian prime minister said New Delhi orchestrated the shooting of Hardeep Singh Nijjar outside Vancouver in June. Nijar was a Sikh nationalist that India accused of terrorism and it posted bounties for his arrest. Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian
1: citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation
0: of our sovereignty. Here to talk about what Trudeau's allegations mean for the relationship between Canada and India is the FT's John Reed in New Delhi. Hi, John. Hi, Mark. John, have you ever seen anything like this? It is
1: absolutely unprecedented. And if it were true, and I must stress, we haven't seen the evidence yet, um, it would put India in a league with um, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Russia, North Korea, you know, a handful of other countries that have um, killed other people outside its own territory.
0: Now, how did India and President Narendra Modi react to the allegations?
1: So India has flatly rejected them. Trudeau raised this in a, a meeting with Modi last week, and uh, Modi at the time rejected it then as well. They're saying they're absurd, and um, India also expelled a Canadian diplomat, um, essentially tit for tat for Canada having done the same the day before, with an Indian diplomat.
0: John, what can you tell us about relations between Modi and Trudeau more broadly? I mean, I can't imagine they're good right now.
1: No, they're, they're very poor. And this was um, in evidence at last week's uh, G20 summit meeting when the two leaders, he and Modi, clasped hands briefly um, and then had a, had a meeting, which Modi did a very, very stern readout afterwards. And then later in the week, India and Canada suspended talks on a free trade association.
0: What are you taking away from Trudeau's accusations, John? India is, after all, the world's uh, biggest democracy,
1: Modi's critics uh, point out rightly that he does have some authoritarian tendencies, but ultimately India is in the league of democratic nations. Now, if it's also a democratic nation that is, you know, allegedly responsible for a hand in the death of an activist in in someone else's borders, that's just an extraordinary story. It's worth remembering that the Western world has been joining hands with India um, as a counterweight to China, that this is... Um, the world's democratic great hope. If we then find out that there's a different side of India that we didn't know about, then this will probably change our view of what kind of
0: player India is on the world stage. John Reed is the FT South Asia Bureau Chief. He's based in New Delhi. Have a good one, John. Bye, Mark. Before we go, the Federal Reserve meets later today to decide what to do about interest rates. People widely expect that Chair Jay Powell will say that the Fed is holding rates steady, but inflation is still higher than the central bank's 2% target, so there could very well be at least one more rate hike before this year's out. Oh, and by the way, stick around after today's show for a special peek at the upcoming season of the FT's Tectonic podcast. It's all about animals and artificial intelligence. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Artificial intelligence is revolutionizing the human world with programs like ChatGPT. Now, researchers believe that the latest AI advances could help us better understand the non-human world, too. A new series of the FT's Tectonic podcast looks at how AI can help us translate animal languages and even speak back to them. The series producer, Persis Love, joins me now. Hi, Persis. Hi, Mark. Okay, so uh, translating animal languages seems like something out of the movie Dr. Dolittle. How close are we to actually understanding them?
3: Well, thanks to AI, we are, I mean, it seems like we m- could be very close to understanding them. But this is actually an area that researchers have been working on for decades. Like, take for example, with sperm whales. So we spoke to this sperm whale researcher, Shane Garrow.
0: You know, I've known these whales for longer than all of my kids.
3: And he's gathered all of these recordings of sperm whales talking.
0: It sounds like a weird mechanical click. I mean, do do, do they actually know what these sperm whales are saying?
3: Well, yeah, they have actually found out some communication patterns, even without the help of AI. So one thing they know is that sperm whales speak in dialects. So sperm whale families in certain areas will use certain groups of these clicks that other families in other areas just won't use at all. But Shane says, even with these recordings... Trying to spot patterns without the help of algorithms is really difficult.
0: Have we just been looking at letters when really there's words? Or have we been just looking at words when really there are letters and sentences at different levels of the hierarchy? That's something that's always been a challenge. We're now working with these amazing machine learning teams using more advanced approaches for for pattern recognition is really exciting. So how does this AI work? How do you translate between... Human English and the language that sperm whales use
3: so one researcher that we spoke to described the algorithms that they're using as the same ones that are in chat GPT, and he basically said that what they do is they transcribe languages as a geometric shape. you know if you take that shape for English, you then take that shape for Spanish, you can like rotate those shapes and you will find that they actually. Align and overlap, and you would then be able to translate instantly between those. And you know, you might be asking, but like the vocabulary that we have will be completely different from the vocabulary that a sperm whale has. But even if those shapes don't overlap completely, there will be some shared concepts, and those parts we might be able to start translating across.
0: And Persis, could we actually speak in real time to these animals?
3: Well, yeah. So in the same way that we are able to deep fake human voices, the AI programs are able to synthesize animal voices. Uh, we spoke to one researcher, Aza Raskin, who works for an organization called Earth Species Project. And he kind of threw out this conundrum that, like, there'll be this whole part of the Wales language that we won't have any conceptual understanding of but that doesn't actually mean that the AI program won't be able to synthetically speak about those concepts.
0: In the next couple of years, we're going to be able to build a synthetic whale or a synthetic bird that will be able to speak in a way that they cannot determine that it's not one of their own speaking. Now, here's the plot twist. We will be able to get, we believe, to two-way communication before we understand what we're saying. So does that mean that we could potentially say something that would offend these whales?
3: I mean, yeah, we could. We have no idea. And like, ethically, this is a really thorny issue, right? And whales have actually had language for 34 million years, and humans have only had language for 300,000 years. So is this idea of humans uttering new sentences into a culture that has existed for like millions and millions of years longer than our culture. And it's difficult to know what the repercussions of that might be.
0: Persis Love is the producer of this season of Tectonic. We'll have a link to the first episode in our show notes. Thank you so much, Persis.
3: Thanks for having me, Mark.
2: Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business,
1: whether it's a local operation or a global corporation...